Hey, welcome back to the podcast. So good to have you on Collective Conversations. Today, we're coming um, just full circle and going into a conversation regarding the open doors. And as we talk about the open door, that was what launched us in our podcast a little over a year ago, doing 21 days and walking that out. But today, we just want to come back and just sort of have a refresher on what is the open door? What's it really all about? and just try to understand some of the things that are going on within the Nazarene Collective. So I've got the leadership team for the collective with us today, Sean, Kara Ann, and Eric. They just take the lead on some of the different areas that are involved in the collective. Sean is our overall lead pastor. Kara Ann oversees the ministry side of it, and then Eric tackles all the operation efforts that are going on. But Sean, why don't you just take us back, take us Give us a reminder of what the open door is really all about. So the open door initiative, really, we started that um, to kind of help us think through how how to expand, multiply, and and I think the conversation goes back a few years, uh, even back to like 2016, 2017, when we started dreaming. We knew uh, that we were going to be uh, transitioning from our co-pastor position with uh, uh, Gene Tanner and myself and going into the lead role and really feeling this draw that we need to be thinking about a multi-site model and maybe doing things a little differently. And um, as we were heading uh, into 2019, 2018, 2019, and then heading into 2020, we were talking about what would it look like to create this nonprofit uh, that would serve our communities better. And as we were going into these multi-sites, then what would these communities, how could we serve them better? How could we come alongside existing nonprofits and just partner with them? And so the overall dream for the Nazarene Collective then was to be able to create hope centers and then come along behind the hope centers and plant existing or plant churches or partner with existing churches to create these new campuses. And so as we talk about open doors, then that became the battle cry is how do we determine what are the open doors that God wants us to walk through? Where, what are we supposed to do with that? And if a door opens, then we walk through it uh, to either help us with a Hope Center, plant a church, or to partner with an existing campus. Carrie Ann, why don't you take us to the foundation uh, just this whole idea of the open door. It's found in Scripture, which is a good place to have a foundation. Um, but just why don't you walk us through some of the, the Scripture that's there and just remind us of how it all uh, comes together in the efforts we're making. Yeah, so the Scripture that we use as the foundation for this is Colossians 4, um, chapter Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, which says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, Paul's writing from prison. Um, but I also love verses 4, 5, and 6, too, that say, pray that, I pro- pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way in which you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we used that in the in the prayer challenge, and as we continued, um, as we continued on, just in this thought process as well, to devote ourselves to prayer and to be watchful and thankful, looking for all of these open doors as we are looking for opportunities in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, but then also on a larger corporate church level that we would be praying for opportunities for 
places that God would just clearly direct us to go, different communities to go to, or different churches that we can partner with as well, um, that we would devote ourselves to prayer in that way. Well, and there's also irony that Paul wrote this in prison. Right. He, he was in chains when he wrote this, looking for open doors. <laughs> when we started talking about these open doors and being like watchful for them, and I started thinking about just um, how that can play out in our lives that we may not, we, we're being watchful because it may not be the door that we're like thinking that we are going to go through. And I was always picturing, I may have mentioned this to you when we did the podcast the first time, but I always picture, um, okay, track with me, Monsters, Inc. Mm-hmm. And there's these lines of all these doors coming through. And you may see a door that you like. Like, I would have chosen Boo's door because it's like bright and colorful and there are all these flowers on it. And I'd be like, oh, that's the door I want to walk through. I mean, you have to take out the whole monster scaring people imagery from your head. But like you picture all these doors coming across and then you don't choose the door, but it gets put right in front of you. Am I going to walk through it or not? If you not have been the door that you had your eye on, right? I would have had my eye on the door that had the flowers on it because that would make me happy. But that's not the door that God placed right in front of me. Instead, he placed right in front of me an opportunity to share the message, to share the mystery of Christ, to share the message of salvation and of his goodness and hope for the world. He placed a different door right in front of me. And you still have the you still have the choice to walk through it or not. And are you being prayerful and watchful so that you even know that that's a door that's right in front of you? I don't believe Winnemac, Indiana would have been one of the first doors we were looking for. Right. It's Absolutely. Was. And right. because it's a different different time zone, a different type of community, uh, just a more, more rural setting. And yet I still remember when Sean and I would go down and meet with them. It was very important to them. Are you praying about this? Mm-hmm. Are you actually praying about this? I mean, that was, I remember that question. Absolutely. Well, and I think too, I mean, you mentioned we have been talking about multi-site for a long time and there was a different location and a different church that we had talked to for a long time. And I think had we not have, had had you not have been prayerful and watchful and thankful for all these different opportunities, would we have missed the opportunity to partner with Winnemac if we would have been stuck on the door in another town over? Would we have been as aware that the conversation with Winnemac was the door in front of us? Well, even starting that process with that other church several years ago, that was a door we were trying to walk through, and then we had to reverse and go back through it because that was not the door that God had for us. But that prepared us to know how to walk through the next door. I think you're spot on. I think by having us answer the question, are we willing to do it, then the opportunities, you know, they started coming to us. Well, at the prayer thing um, Monday night, you asked us to pray for, to be obedient to something we may not even know is out there. I I think so many people are praying a specific path. They're like, I'm praying and God, here's my suggestions. Here's here's the roadmap that I'm giving you because I want that door right there. Kind of what you're saying about the other church. But I think it's, it's hard to just that blank check, open-ended. All right, God, I'm going to walk through whatever you want me to do. And I don't know what that looks like yet. I have ideas, but I know your ideas are better. And then you walk through that door and you fall in love. I mean, Winnemac has just become a place that we love, we care about. Absolutely. And they're part of the family. Oh, yeah. We've seen how how God orchestrated a lot of that to be a good partnership. Yeah. Yeah, the, the surrender, listen, obey 
if you if you're always struggling with the surrender, then we miss listening and we miss the steps of obedience. And so the sooner that we can surrender desire and 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 outcomes, then the quicker I believe we can actually get into the will of God. We can go quicker because we've already surrendered. And and I think Eric, you're right. It it is a very difficult thing to do. What surprised me and, and Keith when we were driving back and forth to Winnemac of those those handful of nights was we were we had a timetable that was going to take us much further down the road of when this would happen, if it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden it was happening really fast. I mean, mm-hmm. like we met and the next night it was like, okay, we're in, we'll do whatever. And, and we're like, okay, we're not ready. <laughs> we've, we've acted like we're ready, but we're not ready. And then, and then we were drinking from a fire hydrant to make it happen and, and moved quickly. And then I wonder, is it when you're obedient and you finally are, you surrender that and God sees that obedience, he's like, oh, good. And now here's more. Because <laughs> then the next day after Winnemac, Absolutely. or yeah. next week, I forget the timeline, it was like, hey, Holbert's calling. What are we going to do in Holbert now? And so we had two opportunities with it. And before we had no opportunities, <laughs> it, it's, and, it's multiplying. Yeah. And, and, and so it, I, I just don't. I wonder how many times that multiplication happens when you're obedient and God's like, okay, good. You, you're getting it now. Getting it. Let's. Yeah. And you wonder what you've missed. What have you, what have we missed in our life by not being ready and willing to take those steps through the open door? And at both our campuses uh, in this last year, we not only talked about praying, but we also talked about making a financial commitment and asked everybody, man, just give $10 a week above what you've been giving. And all of those resources would go towards pursuing these open doors as we walk in obedience, however God would open them. Well, as we think back, at least over what we've walked through so far, Eric, what are some of the ways that we can just see tangibly, here's how everybody's giving is being used by God to make a difference now? Yeah, it turns out ministry takes finances to to Mm -hmm. move forward. And I will say one of the cool things Winnemac has been self-sufficient as a campus. They're the what they're raising in tithe and offering is going back directly into that church, and very little has had to come from Valpo um, or even the Open Door Fund in general for them. It's that's been one of the one of the neat things of that church partnership, and and also it's it's good to see the collective at a bigger scale that Winnemac is is contributing to. It's not just Valpo saying here we go. Winnemac has contributed to Open Door, and so we are all in this together to make ministry happen. But as we as we go to Hobart, and there is kind of a relaunch of a of a campus of a church, we we are starting to use that money for personnel. We're going to need that for location. We're going to need that for renting spaces and buying some gear uh, for sound equipment and children's ministry and advertising and things to to make that splash. When we when we do enter the community, so those those funds will be something that is utilized directly to begin instant impact of ministry in the in the Hobart area. I think you're you're right because it does take resources and finance. And we're committed, you know, we take it very seriously when when money when money comes in, it, we believe it is God's money, and we get the privilege to use it and and to manage it, and we're entrusted to manage it and to manage it wisely. 
And, and I feel like we have to honor it. It's not something we just take for granted. It's, it's not at the end of the rainbow, a pot of gold that's always going to be there. This is, this is something that's been gifted and entrusted. And if we don't use it wisely, I believe it will be taken away. You know, we just won't have it to manage anymore and, and to use uh, for these kingdom blessings. So I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for those that are giving faithfully and, and I'm thankful for the people in our lives that are actually taking care of it well. So let's take a few minutes and talk about some of those kingdom blessings that are happening in particular at Winnemac and just celebrate some of the things that God's been doing there. Yeah, so Winnemac is doing awesome. They're doing really, really cool things. Kent and Deb are working really hard over there just to continue to just grow the WNC tribe, not just in people gathering in that space, but to help them take next steps um, as they're growing spiritually and they're taking the next steps in their walk with Jesus. So they are beginning February 14th. Their weekly prayer gatherings, like we have done at the VNC campus, have begun gathering weekly for prayer. They are doing that as well, um, just to take that journey towards Easter, going through the names of God. And I think that is going to, I think they're really going to see the fruits of that, like we have at the VNC campus, the way that that has touched the people who have attended. They also have groups launching um, this coming weekend. They're launching three different life group options for people, which is really, really amazing and something that they have been working towards for about a year, um, just getting people to dive back into that post-COVID. Um, they had some of that stuff going on beforehand, and COVID happened, and there was a long period of transition for them, and then they became a part of the collective, and we have been working to put that in place. And so Kent and Deb are launching that um, three different group options, which I think is going to be really, really beneficial for them just to continue to lean into that, into those community elements as well. That's awesome. I love all that God's doing there. Yes, it, it really is. They're, they are hustling and working and the people are hungry to gather and to be in community. Uh, they're hungry to be discipled and to disciple others. And they're committed to praying. And so they're, I think they're checking the boxes that we ask and that we, we want them to be a part of the collective and, and being able to um, be all that God's called us to be. Our WNC campus also has a pantry that operates out of there, and um, Deb Walters oversees that. They feed a ton of people all over Winnemac, all, all over Pulaski County. She works so hard to gather in all of that food from different places and different distribution centers, building relationships with those people that she gets to serve. In the fall, we got to gather those people together and provide a meal for them and give them Thanksgiving dinners that they could take home. That was based off of the group of people that are served weekly by the pantry, which is a really cool thing that we got to do. Well, we love hearing those stories of just serving at WNC, but also it just brings to mind the reality of Hope Center. And you hear us talk about the Hope Center quite a bit, but Eric's going to fill us in on just how a lot of that has been going as it's just an integral part in, of being connected to the collective. Yeah, so when we started here in the uh, Valpo campus, we repurposed some areas at the other end of the building, the old office areas, for uh, for Hope Center purposes. And we invited First Contact in, and one of that was to allow them to be here rent-free, to maximize their their resources to be able to go out and do even more with those with those monies. And they this last year, in 2023, they gave $92,000 
into into the community, back into helping with rent and utilities and medicine and uh, maybe temporary uh, lodging in hotels and things like that. So $92,000 went back out in the community that helped, I believe it was just over 500 families to, wow. in, in this past year. So um, that's one of the really cool things happening out of this facility. And that's that's sponsored by a lot of churches, but that is one of the anchors of of the Hope Center being here. Also have the the dry pantry that is serving about 140-ish families a month. And then uh, the counseling center as well that um, there's, it's hard to get stats on that, mm. but I know that they are, they're very busy. They're, they're meeting with people and helping people all the time. In Hobart, it's been really good. The resale shop has been the predominant element of the Hope Center in, in Hobart, but it's about the furniture, but it's for the volunteers and all of those involved in that, it's not about the furniture. They're building relationships. They're meeting with people. They're getting to know people. And some of that, sometimes that translates into more volunteers and they're, then they're part of the group. They're part of that, that community. And then as, as we get the, our campus pastor in place in Hobart and get going there, there will be more opportunities to serve that community as he gets to know that, finding the needs that we'll be able to identify those and use that facility to continue to, to do that. And then with Winnemac, uh, we're in the beginning stages of, of planting the Hope Center there. The food pantry will be an element of that, but they have the old parsonage that's right across the sh- parking lot, I mean, across the street. It's across the parking lot from the church and repurposing that facility to be able to continue to meet needs there in Winnemac, in Plasky County. And so all of that Hope Center, the, the resale shop is designed to be the finan- financial engine to make all that stuff go. And sales have been good. Business has been good. We've had some also uh, some other donations come in to be able to utilize that, to be able to help with first contact, be able to help with stuff happening in Winnemac and, and those elements. So yeah, the Hope Center is doing some really cool things. Now let's talk for a moment, just moving forward. When we think of the Hope Center, I mean, part of our intention is before we even bring in a church to any location, there's potential. We want to start with the Hope Center. Want answer the why to that. Why, why would we want to pursue a Hope Center before we would launch or start or partner with the church? It's a paradigm shift in church planting that I know Sean has talked about. He could probably talk a little bit more about that uh, later, but it's it's the idea that instead of just showing up, meeting, and hoping people will come to you, what if we planted a group of people that their whole whole identity is going out and serving that community to let them know not later that we care, but we care from the beginning. We're there to meet needs. We're there to to find what is necessary and take that next step to to help those people in that area. And it's 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 something that's got to be unique. It's not, you know, we see there's 15 food banks in this particular community. So let's let's start another food bank. No, let's find where there's a gap and step into that gap, start meeting that need, start serving the people and then out of that then say then identify do we need to then start meeting and pursuing a church-style model on top of a Hope Center as well. Yeah, when we start looking at different church planning models, a number of them, uh, whether you'll hear the term in church planning like parachute drop, that they they would take 5, 10, 15, 20 people, or you know, it could be less, just the family of a, of a church planner, and they stick them in a community and say, all right, go to work, start trying to build relationships. And if you're successful, which... You know, sadly, mo- most are not. I mean, it's it's something crazy like eight out of ten don't make it. 
the first year or two, they they just they fail. They they run out of energy, time, resources, and so what happens is they they just they just kind of fizzle out. Well, the thought is instead of for the successful ones that are able to stay alive the first few years, you're gathering your get all your energy goes in gathering. How do we pull people in to join us on mission? And the mission is to serve people. <laughs> so then. Then all of a sudden you you've spent two years gathering and then you shift the focus to how do we serve our community. So instead of doing that, as Eric already said, we let's start out by serving the community and then inviting others to join us in worship and and go on that route. So that's really how this gets going. All right, let's uh, let's talk Hobart. Yeah. We're excited about all that God has been at work. Obviously an open door for us to go through on his timing and at his pace, but fill us in a little bit on how things are going at Hobart and just how we're feeling about everything and what we're seeing God do. You know, we're with Hobart, we're learning patience because <laughs> as, as we feel like the Hope Center is knocking it out of the park and building relationships in the community. And we've uh, already extended an invitation to hire uh, Louis uh, or Luis and Judy Arujo and bring them in and have them uh, serve as our campus pastors and church planners in Hobart. We're very excited about it. Uh, we were a little delayed from their arrival due to them uh, selling their restaurant in Olathe, Kansas. And it's just going to take a little bit of time. And I was hoping. So if anybody's looking in the Olathe area, if you're listening on. to this and Come you want to buy a, a restaurant. By chance. Go call, go call Louie. We will, I feel confident they will make you a screaming deal uh, on their place. They they are ready. I believe uh, the rumor is their house is packed. <laughs> They're just waiting and trying to to, to maneuver uh, how to make this work. And, and I, I don't think it is if, it's just when. So once they, we get this done, they're on their way. And, you know, Louie and Judy have been up here two or three times uh, since their initial come up and let's check it out. And when they're here, it, it's amazing the relationships that they build so quickly, the speed of relationships. I, I've just never been around anybody that does it that well and that fast. It's shocking. Um, it's so it, it is, it, it really is a gift. And and I think that sometimes that word gets used over overused maybe. But it is an unbelievable gift that I cannot put my arms around. And I feel like I'm a fairly relational person, and he it's just light speed with him. And and the way he he maneuvers and goes, and Judy brings this depth of, of, of prayer life, of fasting, of concern, that not that Louis's not deep, but not near as deep as Judy. <laughs> Holy cow. And so I, I just... You know, we're just kind of chomping at the bit to get them here and get them going. Well, I really think, okay, biblically, if you ever want to understand prayer, a prayer intercessor, that's her. Yeah. I mean, she is. And Lu Luis has the spiritual gift of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And I think it shows up in the relational stuff you're talking about. But I mean, I believe he has that gift. And, and from his story, we've heard of how he has operated in that gifting uh, in, in some unique ways. So we're just, we're excited. We're excited for them to get here. We're excited to see what, what God is going to do in Hobart as we just keep walking through these open doors. Well, Sean, why don't you 
close us out today by just giving us a glimpse into what you're seeing as the future of for the Nazarene Collective and, and what's God been revealing to you? Well, you know, the language we kind of used in the early days of this and early days, you know, five years ago, we were talking, we, we, we called it the 219, looking at our kind of area code. And, and so then the very first campus we have is not in the 219. So I, I don't necessarily want to say that, but when we think of Northwest Indiana, so the region, our region, uh, those on the central time zone, you start looking at that, that connect into Chicago land. There's, uh, it, it's, it's about 450,000 people. I mean, it, it's, it's less than a half a million, but it's, it's close. It's a lot of people. And our total of Nazarenes, uh, in that area, which are all within probably a, at most a 45 minute drive from, uh, Valparaiso. And when we start looking around, there's just a tremendous amount of options. And, you know, I think there was a, a thought way back when that we will just kind of build the biggest church we can build. And people were driving from all over that same region. The problem that I see is you can maybe show up fairly consistently on a Sunday morning. But you never get plugged in. You never dive into discipleship. You're not going to come for the prayer gathering because you know you got to work, and then you got to drive another 45 minutes or 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 longer, and you got to be here. And so your children don't get connected, your students don't get connected, and then it won't take long until you start feeling like nobody in my church cares. That's not the truth. You just live a long way away. So instead of us trying to just spend the energy to keep build the biggest church we can build by pulling people from all these different communities and neighborhoods. What if we start thinking more strategically and putting what we believe is special, this, this message of hope through Jesus in different communities, and then inviting them to join us, and then really begin to transform their own local towns and cities and communities that way. And so I think as we look into the future, it is really about when the doors open, when the doors are presented for us and our doors open, then we're in a position to walk through them, primarily looking at what's available in the 219 or in the region or the region rats or whatever you want to call them, but us that live in the Chicagoland area in Indiana. So that's, that's really what drives me is looking for those opportunities uh, to be faithful to what God's calling us to be. Well, it has been a great conversation today and just helping, hopefully, a reflection upon, or maybe you're hearing for the first time, the heart of why we use that language of the open door and a, a better perspective of the collective and how it continues to take shape as God just leads us. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast today, and we look forward to the next week on Collective Conversations.